Welcome to the Beyond the Diagnosis podcast with me, your host, Dr. Kylie. We are finishing up season two this week. In fact, there's going to be this episode and then a short little episode on Thursday all about what's coming down the pipeline to help you start healing beyond the diagnosis. Today and Thursday, that finishes off our season two. Back when I started almost a year ago, back in July of 2020, I really had no idea where this podcast would take me. I just knew I wanted to start one. And thanks to you listeners, thanks to whether you're a public, out in the public, or whether you're a practitioner tuning in because you learn so much, it has grown exponentially with hardly zero marketing. So I thank you guys for sharing the word. If you haven't shared this with someone recently, please do. And then go ahead and leave a review. You can leave a review on any of the podcast listening platforms. And I would like to thank you for your review. Head over to drkylieburton.com backslash crack your thyroid code. And I have a 60 minute workshop there for you. It's on me. Just leave me a review first. And that's for my appreciation for that review. Now today's something special because we're going to talk about this thing called the lipid panel, also known as the cholesterol panel. On it typically includes cholesterol, triglycerides, HDL, LDL, VLDL, and that's about it. Oh, the cholesterol and the HDL ratio as well. And these, this lipid panel aka cholesterol panel, can look really ugly. And conventional wisdom would tell us that we have a heart arterial sclerosis problem, even in a young 20-year-old that I see with ugly cholesterol all the time. If cholesterol was just about arterial sclerosis and heart problems and blood pressure problems, you wouldn't be seeing these ugly blood panels, ugly cholesterol panels specifically, in teenagers, in young adults, even in women and men in their 30s and 40s. So what does a bad cholesterol panel really mean? I'm going to use an example here before we dive into the nitty-gritty details. This is a lab I just happened to look at over the last few weeks where the history, the health history is just has just about everything under the sun. She's in her early 40s. And when we pulled her medical records, I found several very ugly cholesterol panels. When we pull medical records, we just get whatever's been taken. And usually there's enough. Very rare occasion, there's not enough, but I've done this for long enough and I've seen that in so many labs as I've seen, I can place some patterns together when there's not enough blood work. But her blood work, for example, Out of the four different labs that we have in regards to the cholesterol panel, so along her health history, she took four different blood work tests, and on those four different blood labs, we had a cholesterol panel. Her first, her four cholesterols are 340, 322, 297, 344. Now, if you know anything about cholesterol numbers, you know that that's not pretty. In fact, I can almost guarantee that her doctor has put her on or wanted her on a statin 
because of those numbers. Ideally, my cholesterol markers, the range that I would prefer to see cholesterol in is between 150 and 199. So she's about double up there at 340. And I think to myself, three things right off the bat. And these are the three things you want to think to yourself when you see an ugly lipid panel. Whether cholesterol is slightly off, triglycerides are slightly off, HDL is low, LDLs, because remember, HDL is the, the supposedly the good guys, and LDLs is supposedly the bad guys. When in reality, it's just a balance of all these things that we need. We need cholesterol. I'm going to teach you what it does in just a few minutes. We need triglycerides. They just need to be in the right balance. So if you've ever been told that your lipid panel doesn't look so good and you should probably think about getting on a statin, think about these three things instead. Thyroid, inflammation, blood sugar. When I see a bad lipid panel or bad cholesterol, those are the three underlying causes I think of. There's a very high correlation between the thyroid and cholesterol. Cholesterol is also an indicator of inflammation and an underlying blood sugar imbalance can lead to a bad lipid panel. Ultimately, if your thyroid's out of whack, your cholesterol is not going to look very pretty either. And taking a statin is not going to resolve anything. It might make the numbers look a little bit prettier, but that's about it. So cholesterol, when I see 340, 322, 297, 344, automatically, instead of saying that you need a statin or there's some arterial sclerosis in your blood, in your veins, in your arteries, I think, okay, what's going on with the thyroid? Where's my source of inflammation? And what's the blood sugar doing? Is it stable out throughout the day? And then I go down to my next category of triglycerides. Triglycerides, ideally, you want them to be between 75 and 100. Her lab, the four triglycerides that were taken are 187, 220, 102, and 157. Same rules apply. Thyroid, inflammation, blood sugar. You're going to be able to spit those three things out immediately whenever you see a bad cholesterol panel because that's what it means. Thyroid inflammation, blood sugar. Then we go to the next one, HDL. HDL, like I said, are supposedly the good guys. You want them to be between 55 and 100. Hers are 84, 80, 83, 92. Looks, looks pretty good. VLDL is all about the lab range, and you don't get that often. Sometimes you get that, but not often. LDL, supposedly the bad guys, you want less than 99. Hers are at 218, 200, 192, and 220. Same rules apply. Thyroid, inflammation, blood sugar. Then you look at the cholesterol to HDL ratio. And that ratio should ideally be less than 3.1. Hers are at 4 and 3.7. So based off of that cholesterol panel, there's definitely something wrong. We're going to turn to the thyroid, and we're going to look at her thyroid numbers. TSH, 
You want it to be between 1.8 and 3. Those are the ideal lab range for TSH. Normal is like 0.5 to 5.5, depending on the lab. I always say this, finding your ideal TSH within that, quote, normal range is like trying to find your favorite restaurant somewhere between California and New York. Good luck. Whereas if I can say, you know, I'm going to try to find my, T my ideal TSH somewhere in Kentucky, somewhere in North Dakota, somewhere in Oregon, somewhere in Nevada, wherever it is, you can narrow it down to 1.8 and 3. Now we're getting somewhere. Her TSH is at 1.43.81 and 0.31. So three different times her TSH was taken. Those are what they are. Now I know, and you guys know because I've taught you, and if you don't know, go check out the thyroid fix or any of the thyroid episodes. The TSH is produced by the pituitary gland, not the thyroid. The pituitary gland is this tiny little gland that sits in the middle of your head. It produces TSH. And that TSH is what communicates to your thyroid. And when there's not much there, like there is in her lab, like my cholesterol panel says, there's definitely a thyroid problem going on with her cholesterol panel. I want to say, okay, what's causing the pituitary to have a hard time producing TSH? There's two reasons for that. One, stress. Two, inflammation. And inflammation, again, another underlying cause of cholesterol, of ugly cholesterol panels. Now, do I say go take turmeric and curcumin and all those anti-inflammatory supplements for the rest of your life? You can if you want. You want to be on nine million zillion things forever, taking things to just survive, go right ahead. If you can find the source of inflammation and remove it, that would be better. And chances are that source of inflammation on the inside of your body is also that source of stressor on the inside of your body. Find the source of stress because it's going to create the inflammation. Remove it. Now your body can handle the outside stressors a lot easier. So for her TSH, when it's low, it tells me we have an adrenal problem because that's what produces cortisol in reaction to our stress. And we have a pituitary problem because that's responsible for producing TSH. Now I could go through the rest of her thyroid panel with you but it actually looks pretty. It's just that TSH marker. And believe me, she's got all of them. So her medical doctor, her, her endocrinologist, whoever it was that ordered her thyroid panel did a really good job. So now that we have seen the cholesterol panel, we've seen the thyroid. So we've got the thyroid. Next up is the blood sugar because we're just going to keep that simple. And her blood sugar labs are, her blood glucose is 94, 96, 103. So pretty good. Ideally, you want your blood glucose to fall within 85 to 99. That's the range of it. If you start seeing less than 85 numbers, now you're going to start getting lightheaded. You're getting dizzy. You're reaching for sugar. You're craving sugar. You're craving sweets. And if you eat the sweets and your sugar cravings aren't curved, now we're looking at insulin resistance. We'll get to that later. That's a completely different topic. So ultimately, her blood sugar throughout the day looks pretty ideal. Then we get into this source of inflammation. What is it? How do we determine what's causing the inflammation? And based off of the inflammation, can we fix the thyroid? 
Can we remove the inflammation, balance out the blood sugar? And now when she goes back and takes the cholesterol panel again in a year, her doctor asks her what she's been doing different. And she just says, well, talk to this lady who really knows her labs. And she created me a personalized supplement plan based off of my labs. And not only do I feel like a million bucks, but my numbers look really good now too. And my doctor likes it. That's just the power of these things. The source of inflammation can usually be determined in a CBC. That is the standard regular blood work that we all get. It's like the number one precursor, just make sure nothing's really wrong kind of lab test. Now the CBC is practically worthless unless it's a CBC with differential. And by now, if you've been listening to me long enough, you'll know that during school, I could have cared less about the differential. In fact, we were grilled on the CBC. I can remember numerous tests. And when I say numerous tests, ladies and gentlemen, I took on any given week, 10 plus exams. The week before I got married, I took 22 exams. It was just commonplace for us to have 9 trillion exams in a quarter. I think somebody, some colleague during school did the math about all with all the exams that we took over the four-year course, and it was in the thousands. Like, it was disgusting how many lab tests or tests that we had taken, and it had just gotten to the point where you were really good at taking tests. You'd sit in the, you'd get into the classroom, and they'd be like, oh, we're having a test today. Okay, great. Having the scantron, what's it on? Literally, like, that's how many tests we took. So we were drilled on the CBC, not the CBC with differential. And that with differential part is absolutely necessary. So notice next time when your doctor takes blood work that they check the right box. They check the CBC with differential part because it includes these five markers that you are required to get if I have anything to do with your labs. Neutrophils, lymphocytes, monocytes, eosinophils, and basophils. Those are the five markers that meant absolutely nothing to me in, in school. Now, they mean the world. And let me share with you why. I'll dive into this on a later episode all about the CBC. But these markers determine what type of infection the body's trying to fight. And that is 99% of the time, the source of inflammation. When you can remove these infections, the body, you just feel so much better. Think about it. If your body's constantly fighting something, it's not interested in going out to the park and expending some energy. It's not interested in even having motivation to go do things, aka depression. It's not interested in being calm, allowing you to fall asleep. It's not interested in allowing you to heal in any way, shape, or form. Whether it's thyroid, you're trying to heal your thyroid. Whether it's, you know, a freak frozen shoulder syndrome in the right shoulder where all of a sudden you're 31 years old, you have two kids and you can't move your shoulder. And all the manual therapy and the injections and the steroids and the cortisone and and everything that has been drilled on the shoulder They miss the big bacterial infection inside the labs. It has nothing to do with your shoulder problem, they were told. Three months later, shoulder problem is gone. We fixed the bacterial infection. But I would have never known that had we not had 
the CBC with differential. So you can determine if the infection is part of your inflammation story, part of your internal stressor story, based off of those five markers. As I look into these labs specifically, the one that we're talking about with the really bad cholesterol panel, remember cholesterol, thyroid, blood sugar, inflammation. We've already taken a look at our thyroid. Ultimately, we have low TSH, which means we need to fix the stressor, remove the stressor, remove the source of inflammation, heal the pituitary, and everything downstream will be affected. T4, T3, all the likes. So we're trying to figure out what's the source of inflammation? What's the source of stressor? And I look at her white blood cell count. WBC, it's between five and eight. That's the ideal range. Now, there's a lot of times where the white blood cell count does not reflect what the differential part of the lab says. It will look like it's between five and eight. And so you'll be all bummed that there's no infection. Trust me, I've done it a lot. And then you jump down to the differential portion with these five markers, neutrophils, lymphocytes, monocytes, eosinophils, and basophils. And then you start seeing, oh, the most common one is a viral infection. Oftentimes, viruses, bacterial infections, and fungal infections, they go hand in hand. I just see it in the patterns in the labs. And last but not least, parasitic. And in her case, we have autoimmune, viral, definitely a viral component with a parasitic combination. That's what we can find based off of the patterns in her lab work. Now, I could go into those patterns, but we're going to do that on a further, further episode with the CBC. Just know that it gets dicey, and I'll try to keep it as simple as possible, but I'm not going to cover everything because labs are numerous, and numbers can be all sorts of different things. But we've got multiple components going on. we got to remove the virus. And I shouldn't say remove the virus because that's impossible. Once you have a virus, you have a virus. It's just a making sure it's dormant or not. In regards to viruses, I was thinking about this the other day. As you know, my family's been sick for like the last month and my babysitter's been sick and it's just been, it's been a month that I just need to, it to end, right? And my daughter, who's now just turned one, she got a fever first. And we took her in, did some lab testing took her into the doctors because, you know, she's got a fever. And, and as a baby, I don't know what it is. I need to just rule out the bad, ugly stuff. Ruled out infections, ruled out pneumonia. Her lungs were fine. Her ears were good. And then we took a urine sample because she's a girl and possible urinary tract infection is likely. Got all that stuff ruled out. And then the next day, she breaks out in this rash. Her fever breaks and the rash comes out. Knowing that that same thing had happened to my son, who's four, I knew exactly what it is as soon as the rash came up. Roseola. Roseola is a virus. And I'm thinking in my head, rocking her to sleep one night that, oh my gosh, we fight viruses all the time. From the moment we're born, we fight them. Sometimes they can take over. Sometimes our immune system is strong enough to keep them at bay. So as I'm putting all these pieces together, because I often get asked, you know, where do these infections come from? We're human. We live in an environment in this world where we get to experience our body 
failing us at times. And hopefully it's not a long-term. So we fight these things on a day-to-day basis. Keep your immune system strong. Listen to the vitamin D podcast episode. So for her, her source of inflammation is one, she's dealing with autoimmune. And autoimmune is often triggered by some type of infection. What type of infection for her? Viral and parasitic. And the parasitic is actually really, really strong. So we'll take care of that. Don't worry. Then in a year, she'll go back and get some new blood work. And the doctor will be like, why are you taking a statin? Like, what did you do? Your cholesterol panel looks beautiful now. Nope, she never took a statin. She just handled, removed the source of inflammation so her body could heal, balance out her blood sugar, and fix her thyroid. And by fixing your thyroid, you don't treat your thyroid. That makes sense. I'll teach you how to do that on one of the thyroid episodes. But for now, it's all about cholesterol. So cholesterol, what is it? Is it good for you? What does it do? Cholesterol is a sterile, a steroid alcohol found in animal oils and fats. Cholesterol is an essential component of cell membrane development. So the building of your cells. Bile acid production, also correlated with heartburn and the breaking down of fats, adrenal steroids, cortisol, estrogen, progesterone, testosterone, and your sex hormones, which I just named. It's found all throughout the body, especially in the blood, brain, liver, kidneys, and nerve fiber myelin sheets, which is what protects your nerves. Cholesterol is kind of important, and yet we've made it this bad guy. But remember, it's all about the quantity, having the right amount and the right balance of all of these things. You need cholesterol to make your hormones. One of the first things I do with fixing hormones is one, balance out the blood sugar and two, eat more healthy fats. If you have low testosterone or low estrogen or low progesterone, one, stress, two, healthy fats, three, blood sugar, four, liver. Those are the big things with with hormones. But not only does hormones come from cholesterol, in fact, cholesterol is the top of the food chain, cholesterol also produces your neurotransmitters like serotonin and dopamine. I always tell people, eat more healthy fats. And if I liked avocados, that would be great because avocados are like a superfood. They're like the bomb.com for healthy fats. I just can't stand them. My son and my husband love them. So I get them for them and I get my healthy fats in other ways. Now, this LDL. What is the LDL? It gets the bad rap for the bad stuff. It stands for low density lipoprotein. It gets broken down in the liver, possibly some non liver cells but it is the carrier of triglycerides, VLDLs specifically. You want the LDL to be less than 99 and the VLDL stick with the lab range of that. HDL is produced by the liver and the intestines. It's also a class of lipoprotein, hence why the the, the DL part. High-density lipoprotein is comprised of phospholipids and one or two other different types of proteins. 
It plays a role in cholesterol transport from peripheral tissues to the liver and in the metabolism of other lipoproteins. Let's see here. Elevated HDL levels protect against atherosclerosis by removing cholesterol from the vessel walls and transporting it to the liver where it is removed from the body and decreased HDL levels are atherogenic. So what in the world does that all mean? It means HDL gets produced by the liver and the intestines. It transports cholesterol to the peripheral tissues, meaning like your skeleton, your hands and knees and legs, not your internal organs. So it takes things away from them. HDL is the, the good guy, right? That really determines on the, the ratio of everything. You want the HDL to be between 55 and 100. Now we start talking about the cholesterol HDL ratio, which divides the total cholesterol by the HDL. This number is used to assess cardiovascular risk, typically. Numbers above 3.1 in indicate increased risk for cardiovascular disease. The higher the values, the greater the risk, says standard protocols. You now know cholesterol means a little bit more than that. It means thyroid inflammation, blood sugar. Say it with me. Thyroid inflammation, blood sugar. That's what a real bad cholesterol panel really means. Now, based off of how you feel, you can kind of determine if you're finding some blood sugar imbalances or even insulin resistance, if you're finding some thyroid things, or if you're finding some inflammation, aka infection. That's what it really means to me. What type of infection are we dealing with? Because we're all dealing with them. It's just a matter of how active are they at times and how dormant are they at times. So let me ask you some questions. If you nod your head to these, you have a problem with sugar, with blood sugar imbalances throughout the day. Do you crave sweets during the day? Do you feel moody or irritable if you skip a meal? Do you have to depend on coffee or some type of stimulant to get started during the day? Do you ever get lightheaded, dizzy, shaky, jittery, or maybe even some tremors? Eating provides you with energy on a more abnormal basis because it always provides us with energy. Do you feel you have a poor memory and you forget things often between meals? Blurry vision is also a sign of sugar metabolism or blood sugar imbalances throughout the day. These are things that you would experience if you have insulin resistance. Fatigue after meals. You crave sweets during the day. Eating those sweets does not relieve your sugar cravings. You need to have sweets between meals. Your waist measurement is larger than your hip measurement. Do you need to pee a lot, like frequent urination? Do you have increased thirst and appetite? Is it hard to lose weight? Those are signs of insulin resistance. Signs of adrenal fatigue. You cannot stay asleep, aka insomnia. You crave salt. You're a slow starter in the morning. Ha, that's me. Afternoon fatigue. No, that's not me. 
Dizziness when standing up quickly. Yep, that's me. Afternoon headaches. Um, I'm not a headache person, but lately I've been having them. So maybe I need to do some more work on my adrenals. Headaches with exertion or stress and weak nails. This would be hyper adrenals, which means your cortisol is pumping out really hard. So one thing that you can think about, especially when it comes to sleep, is do you have a hard time falling asleep, staying asleep, or both? It's a hard time falling asleep. Then you got to think, I have way too much cortisol. I need to figure out how to lower that stressor down. GA is a great fact tool for that. I take like three or four of them at night, and my mind is going a million miles an hour, and my body's exhausted. Kind of shuts my mind off, lowers my cortisol levels. If you cannot stay asleep, now your adrenals are fluctuating between highs and lows. GA works great for both because it's an adaptogen. So if we have too much cortisol, our adrenals are pumping out hyperspeed. You can't fall asleep. You sweat easily. You're under a high amount of stress, aka all of us for the last two year. Weight gain under stress. You wake up tired even after six or more hours of sleep. Excessive sweating with very little or no activity. Those are all correlated to your adrenals. Now your adrenals are directly correlated to your thyroid. Thyroid problems are you feel tired and sluggish. That's the number one. Remember, infections can lead to that as well. You feel cold. Your hands, your feet, all over. Require excessive amounts of sleep to function. You have increased weight even with a low-calorie diet. You gain weight easily. You have a difficult and frequent bowel movements. We're going to have an episode all about poop in season three, and it's going to be thebomb.com because we've got a hydrocolon therapy coming to join, therapist coming to join me on it. We're going to talk about these things called bowel movements and what's normal and what's not and how to fix it. Um, depression or lack of motivation is also linked to thyroid as well as morning headaches that wear off as the day progresses. Thinning of the hair, dryness of the skin and or scalp, mental sluggishness. If your thyroid is working in hyperdrive, you can also feel heart palpitations, inward trembling, increased pulse, even at rest. I've had several people lately tell me that their pulse rate is high. Nervous and emotional tension or mood swings and insomnia. So based off of your cholesterol panel, three things can be going on. Inflammation, find the source, thyroid, blood sugar imbalances. And those are the questions that you can ask yourself, like, do I need a little bit of touch up on these categories? And if I do, can it include, can it impact my cholesterol panels? And the answer is yes. It can impact your cholesterol panels. So there you have it cholesterol, the lipid panel, what does it really mean if it's ugly? Share this with your friends, leave a review, and then go check out drkyleeburton.com backslash crack your thyroid code for your 360-minute program. And that's on me to thank you for a review. And just so you guys know, we are finishing up season two this week between today's episode and Thursday's episode. Then we will take a few week break off. I will be back in August to rock your socks some more. So enjoy your summer. I'm going to enjoy mine. 
got a major load in the office. So if you're interested in looking at and having me look at your labs, go to drkylieburton.com backslash book. That's how you get started working with me. If you want to join the membership, that's a great place to do it as well. drkylieburton.com backslash healing dash beyond dash the dash diagnosis. Come join us. We have group calls twice a month. And on those group calls, we do the emotional support as well as Q&A with me. You're not going to want to miss the next one, which is happening the beginning of, well, that first Monday in the third Monday of June. Okay, that's how you get started. One, the lab review consult at drkylieburton.com backslash book, or two, the membership. Take your pick and let's start healing beyond the diagnosis. In the fall, we will be doing 21-day boot camps again. I believe the start date is September 5th for those. Sixth, start date is September 6th. So be paying attention. 21-day boot camps coming up on September 6th. If you are a practitioner and you want in on all of these details and all of this stuff, my, my practice is completely automated and completely virtual. I will teach you how to do that and so much more, including the labs, because that's where real answers, healing, and hope come from, as you guys have learned. The mastermind group is opening in the in August. So the website is coming, BTD Mastermind, Beyond the Diagnosis Mastermind. Come join us this August. Doors will be closing September 6th due to what's going down. It's going to be phenomenal. So mark that on your calendars. Come join us in August. Doors close September 6th and share it with your friends. You all know somebody who is a practitioner, coach, MD, NP, Cairo, doesn't matter. It's for all of us because labs are powerful. And after we've all learned the last year, we've got to have a virtual side of our practice. So I will see you guys soon. I got lots of work to do before August. Hit me up on the podcast review section. Share this with your friends. And last but not least, I will hear you. I will see you back. You can hear me back. I don't know how to say that. It's audio. On Thursday. See you guys later.